A while back, I started a brand by the name of Notable Themes. Today, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about why I started it, just for things that you can keep in mind as you are building your own brands. Plus, how long should a blog post be? This is an old question that gets tossed around quite a bit, but today we're gonna to dive into a scientific answer to the question. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So if you have a blog, you've been blogging for a while, you've probably heard the question that gets tossed around quite a bit, which is, how long should my blog post be? So I think there's probably been about 10,000 articles that have been written on this subject, but I found one recently that was pretty intriguing and it touched very briefly on a little bit of some scientific research that answers this question. So over at Web Designer Depot, it says, by analyzing the number of clicks and links which blogs of various lengths get, they're able to determine uh, a good length for a blog post. Concentrating on the time it takes to read an article rather than the word count, Medium's conclusion is that for SEO purposes at least, you should be aiming for around seven minutes. This is around 1600 words, perhaps a little less if you include lots of pictures and graphics to slow people down. Uh, so they've got it. They link over to a, a post on Medium, which breaks this down a little bit further. But one of the reasons why I found this post on Web Designer Depot interesting was because it broke down a number of the different arguments as well as to weighing what the length should be of your particular article. So this argument typically gets broken down into two different segments, right? You have the SEO portion, which says search engines are going to pick up an article based upon its length, whether it's shorter or it's longer, you should aim for this. Essentially, that's what this scientific piece to the puzzle tends to break down. So they set around, set around 1600 words. But then you have the other side of the spectrum or the other piece to the puzzle, I guess you could say, which is what is what's the best fit for the reader? and to the content, to the person actually reading it. So again, they go through and they break down some different options in terms of, you know, what's good for this? Do you have a lot of pictures? Do you have this or do you have that? I did find the scientific approach pretty interesting and in breaking it down to seven minutes. What also was interesting about this particular article is that they didn't just touch on, you know, a generic how long should an article be. They said they, they broke down a little bit of the type of person who would be reading it and the context in which they would be reading it. For example, if somebody is pretty likely to be reading your article while they are on, you know, at break during work, you're going to want that to be a lot shorter than you would if they're going to be reading that on like a bus ride or a train ride home. Because on a bus ride or a train ride, they could be there for 30, 45 minutes to an hour. Whereas if they're at work, it may be 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes in between, you know, sessions of work or if they, if they stay at home or whatever it is. So keeping those things in mind, I thought was really interesting and something I had never really considered myself. Now, typically, my argument in the past has been completely throw SEO out the window. This is me, and some people tend to think that's a little bit extreme. Um, one of the things that this this article says is sit, it's a good idea to set a target for the amount of words that you are going to write. I've never been a fan of this because 
if you can say something in less words, say it in less words. I think I've heard this time and time again. I think Ray Edwards says this about copywriting, which is that you can never be with your copy or with what you're writing. You can never be too long. You can only be too boring. So my problem with setting a target, let's say if you took this SEO example in this article, the scientific study that says you should write 1600 words. The problem is that if you write a word, uh, an article that should be around 800 to 1000 to get your point across, if you stretch that to 1600, you're just going to water down and dilute the article. It's going to make it harder to read. It's just going to be fluff and it's just going to waste people's time. So that's why I come back to my previous point. Me personally, what I prefer to do is I like to throw SEO out the window. If I, from my personal experience, if I write an article that's good and useful and interesting, it tends to rank higher than one that is less so for the people for whom I am writing. That's my personal take. I'd love to hear your opinions. And if you'd like to uh, give your own take or ask your own question, about the topic of writing articles and their length, feel free to go to rightlydesign.com slash question. And we are always happy to listen to your questions, feedback, uh, and topics for the show. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so today I wanted to take a little bit of time to tell you about a brand I created a while back by the name of Notable Themes. So at Notable Themes, what we do is we create WordPress themes and plugins. So if you're already pretty familiar with WordPress and kind of the WordPress theme marketplace, one of the things you might be questioning right now is, why on earth would you start a WordPress theme and plugin marketplace? There's already a ton of them out there. And you'd be right. You'd be correct. There are a lot of places to buy WordPress themes in today's day and age, but there was a very specific reason why I decided to start it. So when Notable Themes got its start, I originally reached out to and, and connected with someone by the name of John Meese, who's still a really good friend, no longer works with me at Notable Themes. He's actually now the dean over at Platform University. John has always done great work and has been a, it was a huge help in uh, getting uh, Notable Themes off the ground. So I have to give credit where credit is due. So if you'd like to check out some of the things that John is working on. You can find John at johnmeese.com. You can also, again, if you're not already a member, just a little plug. I, um, I'm not an affiliate or anything, but I am a member. Uh, do check out Platform University. It's amazing. And John's doing great work over there. Um, but originally I reached out to John and we kind of worked together to start Notable Themes. And the reason that we decided to start Notable Themes was because there was such a gap in the marketplace. So this kind of was born out of my own frustration as a designer and a web developer. I build WordPress themes and plugins for clients. That's something that I do. Uh, and so at one point, this was years ago, again, this kind of led up to me actually creating notable themes. I remember very specifically that there was a particular client that I was working with. And this client was insistent that I used a particular, what's called a multi-purpose WordPress theme. So this is a really popular theme. I mean, thousands and thousands of websites use it. I'm not going to name it, but it's it was on one of the very popular theme marketplaces of the day. 
So a multi-purpose WordPress theme, if you're not familiar with the term, just means that you can really do anything with it, which in my experience means that you can't do anything with it, but that's beside the point. The idea is that you can buy one of these multi-purpose WordPress themes and they have thousands of layouts and hundreds of thousands of icons and millions of fonts and online shop integration. And it just, it's supposed to be able to do everything. And then what they've got built into these word, these multi-purpose WordPress themes is the ability, like they've got these third-party page builders. So that supposedly you can go in there and drag and drop and you can, you know, change the icons and fonts and do grid layouts and all this stuff. What I found out, because again, what happened was I had a, a client who came to me and said, I want you to build my website, but I want you to use this multi-purpose WordPress theme. So again, in other, any other circumstance, I never would have used a multi-purpose WordPress theme. I'm a WordPress developer. I would have built something from scratch, tailored something to fit what that particular person was after, which is what I still do today at Rightly Designed. Uh, so however, we were, I, did, I agreed. So we decided, you know, I'm going to work on this website. I'm going to help them build their website using this particular multi-purpose WordPress theme. So I did. And what I encountered was that the thing was horrible to work with. Uh, the page builder was slow and cumbersome and I had to go through tons of like Google searches and tutorials just to figure out how to use the thing and get it to work together. What I found is that it was taking me weeks just to replicate the demo site, right? So on the particular WordPress theme marketplace, they've got a site set up that demos this multi-purpose WordPress theme. Here's all you can do with it. Just to replicate that demo for me was cumbersome and time consuming and took forever. Uh, I came to the point by the time, like number one, we couldn't get in all the different features and the functionality that this particular client wanted. It just wasn't physically possible with this WordPress theme. So that was number one. Uh, number two, I found that because of the limitations in the theme and everything else and, and just all the features that they try to stuff into this one theme, it was so heavy that the site itself was slow. Uh, and especially when you start tacking in plugins, if you've already got a really hefty theme and you start tagging or piling plugins on top of it to add more functionality, it gets even heavier. So everything, especially when it's on shared hosting, which means that, you know, it's, it's hosting that's on the same server as a bunch of other sites, you end up with some really, with a really slow, bulky and cumbersome website. On top of all of that, what I found is that, and this is why I prefer to build themes from the ground up, one of the things I found is that the website itself, once we were all said and done, didn't solve any real problems. It didn't help this particular person grow their email list. I tried to offer suggestions, but we ended up doing something really basic like embed a MailChimp form that said, you know, join my newsletter, which is what a lot of people kind of default to. But again, there wasn't like an opt-in that said, you know, uh, get my free ebook or get my free video course or some sort of incentive. The products also were just kind of buried within the site. And I, again, I try to offer a lot of feedback and ideas in terms of things that we can do to push things better uh, or make things better or, you know, better conversions, more sales, everything that a website really needs to do. What I, what I found out and what I now say, especially as I'm working with people through notable themes is that, a website should not be a business card. 
A website should be a business. A website itself should have the power to make sales and generate leads. And this website didn't do that. What I found out and what I learned as I was going through the whole process of setting up this site is that I could have built a website that was faster, prettier, had better conversions on across the board had I just done this from scratch. Had I had completely skipped the process of starting with a multi-purpose WordPress theme, I would have ended up with a better product faster than using this multi-purpose WordPress theme. So it got me thinking, if I'm a developer and it's this hard for me to set up, how is it for everybody else who's going out there and using this theme? Let's say even if people do persevere to the end of setting up this theme, what is this going to, you know, what is this actually going to produce for their business? And so it was through this and a couple of other things when I decided, you know what, who's out there actually creating WordPress themes that solve specific business related problems for specific markets and industries or types of businesses? And thus Notable Themes was born. So over at NotableThemes.com, what I do is I create custom WordPress themes and plugins that help solve specific problems. So again, this is all born out of my own frustration. So every WordPress theme now I create over at Notable Themes is one that somebody can buy, download, uh, and set up on their own in 30 minutes or less. So something I like to do for fun, uh, not really for fun, but just to kind of, you know, promote, you know, when we create a new theme is I'll do a live workshop. So I'll get people live and I'll do essentially a, a webinar where I'll get on there and I will start with a blank install of one of the themes at Notable Themes. And live, while everybody's watching, I will set up a site that replicates nearly verbatim the demo site that's available on Notable Themes. No one who creates a multi-purpose WordPress theme would dare consider doing that. So everything about every theme that I create and I craft over at Notable Themes is really easy to set up. It's super easy to customize. Uh, and best of all, I bake into every single one of these themes things that are common business things that you know problems that need to be solved, like opt-ins, uh, you know, things like uh, social proof, you know, things like how many subscribers you have, and each thing varies, but every single theme is crafted to fit a specific niche. So I've got one for building a personal brand. We've created one for speakers, one for writers, one for somebody who's promoting a book. So every theme is tailored. And I do a lot of research trying to find out what's gonna make this website the best for a particular market. And then we build it out for that person. So it's very plug and play, but at the same time, something that fits a particular niche. If you compare this to a multi-purpose WordPress theme, the whole idea is that you're just getting everything, including the kitchen sink, but then you are on your own in terms of figuring out what is, how should I set up this multi-purpose WordPress theme to solve problems? How am I going to sell more books with this WordPress theme or, or something like that? So that's why I always like to say, especially when it comes to notable themes, is that if your website does everything, then it does nothing well. The whole idea and thinking behind creating the Notable Themes brand was that every single website that somebody sets up using a Notable theme is going to help them solve specific problems and it's going to help them do it quickly. So that's kind of a little bit of a, a background of Notable Themes. So that's why I created it and, you know, why we're continuing to grow things over there at Notable Themes. But there's some things that I wanted to kind of share with you as you are building your own brands. So what I see out there 
with a lot of the more successful brands around the web specifically is that they do well when they find a gap or a hole in their particular market. Here's another great example. Um, there are a ton of uh, email marketing services out there today. There's MailChimp, Aweber, Infusionsoft. You just go on the list. There's just tons of them. So then people may be wondering, why did someone like Nathan Berry come along and create ConvertKit? So I personally use ConvertKit and I have found it to be the absolute best email marketing service out there. But again, he came along and he created ConvertKit and ConvertKit did a wonderful job of filling the gaps in the market. Meaning there's just a lot of issues that people, you know, thing like features that people commonly need their email marketing service to do. One example, I need somebody to be able to fill out a form and as an autoresponder, automatically re uh, receive a link to download whatever it is they signed up for. And I need to be able to do that many, many times. So that's all built right into ConvertKit. Everybody before was trying to hack MailChimp to get that to work and creating separate lists and trying to merge them. And it's a nightmare. ConvertKit solves that one problem and does it really easily. It's the same thing we've done over at Notable Themes with creating themes that fit particular niches while at the same time helping people grow their list and make more sales. So think about some ways that you can do that in your industry. Look around, whatever products or services that you offer, what is it out there that's causing frustration? What hacks do you see people trying to do in your industry to get around the problems with the services or products they currently use? Solve that problem creatively, quickly, and easily, and you're going to find that people are going to start flocking to your brand. Become known for that. Um, and, and, you know, a brand, a lot of people, a lot of times people like to think that, you know, a brand is so specific to a name, you know, it's so specific to a color scheme. I'm a designer. So those things are important to me, but that's not what a brand is. Uh, a brand goes far beyond that. Nike is uh, a prominent and powerful brand, not because of the name, but because what are the, what the products and services surrounded by the name are. Meaning Nike became a name not because of the name, but because everything that that name is and it stands for. That's the same across the board for every single brand. Become synonymous with your market and a creative way of doing what you do and your brand will naturally grow. So in future episodes, I'm going to be sharing a lot more specific details about things, strategies and tactics and tools and things I'm applying over at Notable Themes. So as a listener to The Rightly Show, you're going to get a little bit of a behind the scenes look. And that's not just going to be here via podcast. I'm also going to be doing videos that touch on that as well, maybe some articles, uh, actual tools and resources, and you will get access to all of those things for free if you become a Rightly subscriber. So just go to rightly.show slash subscribe, sign up, and pretty regularly we're going to be emailing you useful tools, tips, resources, videos, uh, of course, uh, episodes to the Rightly Show. So again, that's rightly.show slash subscribe where you'll be able to get access to that. So I hope you found this interesting, useful. As always, if you have a question for the show, feel free to give us a call at 844-RIGHTLY and we would be more than happy to consider it for a full-length episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind taking a quick moment, if you found The Rightly Show useful, hop on over to uh, Apple Podcasts or the medium of your choosing. Leave us a review, subscribe. We always do appreciate it. And until next time, I look forward to seeing you go out there and create something truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. 
If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or the medium of your choosing.